on this edition of the Empire Longevity Podcast. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's that's what I'm trying to do. I have a personal mantra of connecting people in plants. That's like kind of what my personal why. And the other one that I've adopted is doing something that I love that adds value to society. Absolutely, man. That's, uh, that's everything uh, beautifully packaged right there. You're going to meet Chris Cervani, who's with the company Fifth Season, who's going to change the way that you eat, massively improve it. They're going to introduce you to vertical and urban farming. So stay tuned for this one. And thank you for being part of Empire Longevity. This is Dr. Otto Janke, and welcome to the Empire Longevity Podcast. Today we have, I think this is going to be a really cool uh, interview. Uh, my guest is a longtime friend of mine. His name is Chris Cervani, and Chris, Chris works for a company called Fifth Season. And uh, I don't know about Chris, but I'm, I'm sure he does think this also, but this is going to probably revolutionize how farming is done and how growing is done. Uh, Chris, welcome to uh, Empire Longevity. Hey, thanks, Otto. I'm so glad to be here. Long time we were trying to get you on, man. Man, I, I know. it's uh, It's been a long time coming, but I'll tell you, we have been super busy trying to get this farm off the ground, and uh, I don't see my, my loved ones, so please don't take it personal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, especially during the, uh, the pandemic, that happens also. So first of all, tell us, um, what does... What does fifth season do? I mean, what's what's the purpose of this this whole company? Well, I, I want to answer that in two ways. So, um, there, we are a vertical farm. Uh, and what, does that, grow, what does that mean? So, we grow plants in an indoor setting. Um, and when we say vertical, it's I don't know if you've ever been to Epcot and seen the the land exhibit where they have all these plants growing in hydroponics and kind of yeah. futuristic settings. It's kind of like that, but it's not actually vertical we grow horizontally but we grow in large racks that allow the growing space to be stacked on top of each other so if you imagine like this is a smaller scale but if you imagine like a baker's rack where you have a shelf um, a cart with shelves and then each shelf holds a layer of of something in this case it's plants but imagine that underneath that layer there's a row of lights that are used to grow the plant and so in that rack I can stack plants horizontally in a vertical setting where they stack on top of each other and I can make tremendous use of the growing space. So to give you an easy conversion, we have a, uh, it's about a half acre farm of growing space, but because we stacked the plants floor to ceiling in these, in these large scale racks, um, you can unfold that to between three to five acres of field production. Wow. Yeah. It is, it is highly efficient vertical farming. Um, another cool thing about that is just how much savings that we get um, in terms of water. We use 95% less water than growing plants um, outside in traditional setting because we kind of IV trickle drip the water and nutrients directly to the roots of the plants, giving them only what they need um, in the growing process. 95% less water. Yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting. And, you know, it's one of those things as a, as a scientist that kind of boggled my mind, like, okay, I'm growing in hydroponics and that's really growing plants without soil. 
And so and for growing them in water, which is kind of what we're doing, that we're giving all the plants the nutrients they need through the water. Well, how do they use so much less water if they're grown in water? Well, it's because we recycle the water. We give them only what they need, and then whatever water runs off gets captured. It's recycled, it's treated, it's cleaned, and then a fresh dose of nutrients are added, and then it cycles back over the roots. So the only water that is lost is taken up through transpiration through the plant, and then the humidity is captured and spread around the biodome. We call our growing area the biodome. But it's, it's spread around to give the ideal growing conditions uh, for the plant. So we actually use less water. When you think about growing a plant outside, outside in your garden, and Otto, I know you're a, a backyard gardener. Yep. When you water your plants, you're not watering just those plants. You have to water the soil all around the plant that you're watering. And yep. the soil is very deep, and it's wide. And if you only hit that one spot, well, it evaporates really fast. We don't have that. We just have, we just have a small little pot for these plants to be growing in. And uh, like I said, it's an IV trickle drip of water and nutrients right to the roots where they can utilize it. And then we have it timed out. So we're giving just the right amount of water to the plants on a regular schedule. So, so what about the nutrients from the soil itself? So that's, a, that's another interesting thing is, you know, we learned in school that, um, you know, plants make their energy from the sun. So, well, if I'm giving them energy from the sun, like why do I need to give them nutrients to their roots? Well, sun energy is just, it's just sugar. And we all know that we can't just eat sugar. We got to have vitamins and nutrients as well. And so you have to provide nutrients to the plant in order for them to do photosynthesis optimally. And um, traditionally that comes from the soil, breaking down of minerals over time. But with science, we can use uh, minerals that have gone through a process that makes them able to be dissolved in water. Essentially, they're pulverized and dissolved in water. Um, when we, we mix those into ratios that we research, uh, we mix all the nutrients in the right ratio, and then we feed them to the plants, they don't actually need the soil. They just need something that holds them upright and kind of gives them the support they need. But then we provide all of those uh, vitamins and minerals through the water that we provide to the plants. Interesting. That's wild. It is really cool. And it, it, it's amazing how much faster it grows um, than, than traditional because they don't have to fight for anything. They just have the perfect growing conditions. Who was the kid with the big brain who came up with that? <laughs> it's been around for a long time. Hydroponics was, was invented in the 19, early 1900s. Um, but NASA has used hydroponics for a long time um, in space station research and thinking about how we're going to one day you know, colonize Mars, maybe, um, they're going to do it through food systems like this, because it allows you to grow fresh food where, where there isn't soil or where you, you don't trust the soil, um, which furthermore, like explains why, uh, you know, I'm excited for doing this in, in the place like Pittsburgh, where we are right next door to one of Andrew Carnegie's original steel mills um, built in the late 1800s. And this thing is still operational. And it is a smoking behemoth um, next door to us, but we are in a clean room uh, right next door. I wouldn't want to grow in the soil, but this allows us to grow upright from from the ground in these in these racks, like I described. Absolutely phenomenal. So the plant itself doesn't have to fend off any weeds, no, nope. any, any environments around it, no, nope. and so any any bugs. So what about the bugs? You know, what about beneficial bugs? So. Well, that's an interesting thing. Like you can, and as a as a grower, you have the tools of beneficial bugs, and we do utilize utilize some. 
beneficial bugs need the pest to stay alive. So if you think about it that way, they, they eat the bug that we're trying to get rid of. And if I don't have those in my system, then the beneficial bugs don't live either. But the way that I, I, I really think about it is, what's your tolerance for bugs in your salad, whether you had, they were beneficial or if they were a pest? And for right me, it's zero. Right around none, yeah. Yeah, right around none. So we actually just, we just exclude pests. We have a very short-lived um, critter that we deploy out there in the area just as like an insurance policy, but it, we make sure it doesn't ever end up in your salad um, through the way we, we kind of deploy it um, and utilize it. But no, we don't use any pests. We use exclusion. We keep everything out. So what's the, uh, what would be a growing time for what, for, so what are some, some plants you grow and what, what can we turn the, the growing time down to? So we, we grow a lot of salad greens. I mean, that's the, the main thing we're set up to do salad greens and herbs. And we are growing some crazy fresh salads. Um, and our average crop time is, is less than three weeks. It's just actually just over two weeks. Um, and the same crop outside, uh, if you were growing in the right season, um, you could grow that crop in, you know, four to six weeks. So we're, you know, not quite half the time um, is outside. But the cool thing, and this is why we call ourselves fifth season, is we can obtain those perfect growing conditions for whatever crop. And you can imagine things like early spring peas that have such a short window of, of sure. perfect weather for that snap. Well, we can create that temperature year round so that we can grow, we can keep it spring all the time, or we can provide the ideal season for arugula or lettuce or some of the salad blends that we have. Um, and, and that's part of the secret to being able to, to provide something, uh, a natural environment for growing these things, even though we're using technology, uh, we still use natural growing methods. We, we use a, a, a soil-like uh, mix that we use as potting mix to grow the plants. And, and we think that kind of thing is important. Um, for flavor, but gosh, I mean, that's one of the important things that we can do in our, in our system. We have so many different controls that we can do over the plants. Not only are we, are we faster, but we're, we're, we're more efficient. We can dial in things like flavor and quality um, to, to give you flavors of, of the vegetables that, you know, you, you, you think of these, these growers who um, have the, all everything dialed in. You say they got a green thumb. Well, we definitely have a green thumb, but we've learned there's a pattern to how these things grow. And I'm going to give you an example. We grew some cilantro the other day, and by manipulating various aspects with, with light, uh, we were able to get that same variety of cilantro to go from very soapy and hard to eat um, on its own to mild, um, where it barely had any cilantro flavor at all, to a flavor that was pretty much ideal. It was the kind of the what you want in a cilantro. And that's just through manipulation of some of the environmental controls that we have. In this case, it was light. We're looking at some Star Trek stuff right here, man. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Um, yeah, it's one of the really cool things of like, you know, we're getting seeing LED lights showing up more and more in our homes and our cars and, and places around, but we're also utilizing them to grow plants. It's a much, much more efficient way to grow than, than old greenhouse lighting uh, that was more like streetlight technology. And now that we're using LEDs, we can manipulate, uh, we can select the exact colors that we want to provide uh, the plants to grow, which allows us to do things like um, build up anthocyanin content 
in some of the leaves. So those are like the, the purple colors, the reds and the purples. We can get the plants to naturally express more of those by exposing them to certain types of light, uh, which builds the nutritional quality of the produce as well. Holy crap, all hey, so you got my head freaking spinning right now, <laughs> uh, 18 different ways. So you could turn over uh, in a couple of weeks, what it takes uh, in, with 95% less water, don't have to worry about the soil. And then, uh, and so I would have to imagine that the products or the pesticides you use on them or fertilizers, the toxicities of those are all decreased then dramatically. Oh yeah. Yeah. We don't, you know, we, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the best way to say it. The, the toxicity of those things, we don't put anything toxic on our plants. We do give them some, some fertilizers, some nutrients. That's, that's necessary for plant growth. It's, right. it's normal and natural. Um, but I mentioned that we don't use any pesticides, so there's no pesticides, no herbicides, nothing like that on there. And then the uh, growth quality of what we produce is, is fresher. And that's a big part of, um, the nutritional quality of your produce, not just the things that I mentioned about, you know, flavors and, and vitamin content, but one of the things that, that affects your produce's nutritional quality is time from harvest. And you know, this story from tomatoes, it's pretty common where you say like, gosh, a backyard tomato, that's the best thing. And then you hear about these tomatoes that weren't bred for flavor. They were bred for supply chain that could be transported around the country or around the world. And they're picked green and they're ripened on the way. And sure, you get a red tomato, but it doesn't taste anything like that backyard experience. Right. Well, we are focused on hyper-local farming where we are, this farm that, we're, that we built in Pittsburgh is only going to supply the Pittsburgh area of produce and we can deliver the day that it is harvested to local grocery stores and restaurants and, and, and to people um, so that you can eat that salad the day that it was picked. So that is the other important piece about the nutritional quality of what we produce is it's the fresher, the better, not just in flavor, but in, in vitamin nutritional content as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. Hey, do you, so once again, I got 18 different things going on in my head. <laughs> um, so you could, so you would have to have a number of these all spread throughout all America, of course. Yeah. And then you could see, for instance, I mean, I think about you could you could take care of the whole school system to make sure the whole school system in a, a major city in a metropolitan area is all taken care of with all fresh fruits and all, all fresh veggies for all year long. You don't have to worry about uh, uh, time frames then. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And that would be, and you would save them probably hundreds and thousands of dollars or millions of dollars a school season, a school year. Uh, and then you can start, um, uh, I imagine that just the, the restaurants would be, it's gotta be cheaper for the restaurant also then too. Well, there's a, there's a couple different ways that, that we think about this, um, this, this field grown or this idea is our goal is really to try to have the, the cost of our produce. We'll start, we're looking for equal. Because right now, the hardest thing in vertical farming, we're, we are not the only vertical farm in the country. There are quite a few others, and there's room for lots more of us out there. Um, and it's a really good solution for urban areas. So I expect you, we will see more farms like ours around the country. Um, but the hard thing is, it's, it's a lot of upfront costs in the, in to build one of these things. Sure. And labor costs are high. And so one of the challenges that companies like ours have faced is, how do you do that efficiently? 
and then and not have to charge an exorbitant amount for your produce in order to make it a viable business solution and that's where we kind of have deployed these robots um, that i mentioned that help improve efficiency so that our our greens can can cost um you the consumer us the eaters um the same as a field grown produce. And so that's what we're focusing on first. And over time, um, we would like to bring that cost down even further so that we can, we can help out other folks like, like you mentioned, schools, uh, local communities. And that's an important part of what we're doing where we've built this farm. It was strategically placed in an area of Pittsburgh that is struggling. It's one of those classic stories of um, as technology moved in to the steel industry, and as the steel industry moved out of Pittsburgh, um, it left this this these some of these communities really depressed um, in terms of like there's no jobs and uh, there's nothing to eat, there's no grocery stores, and the economy, the local economy, sort of left. And so we built this farm in an area where we are going to be able to bring fresh food and jobs. Um, and these are these are jobs that we will. Um, train people to do so they'll become skilled labor in an area that that we need both of those things jobs and fresh food and those are some of the things that really get us excited about what we have um, in terms of, of this farm and who can operate it and the way that it's been designed by scientists and engineers to be to be operated by the, the local communities where we build them so what what do the robots do specifically well the plants when you when you grow a plant um, you know you have to sow the seeds and you have to water the plants, you have to move them around the farm, you have to harvest them, you have to grow them, and then you have to harvest them, and then you have to package them, and then you gotta load them into cases and ship them to the store. We have robots that do most of that. We could have robots do all of that, but as I mentioned, having people in the farm is really important to us, so we've strategically made it so that you have people who operate the robots and that they're placed in certain places around the farm where we want extra eyes on the crops. Things like quality rolls, things like customer service, um, things like packing by hand, uh, because we think some of that, those things are important. But the, the robots spend most of, most of their time uh, moving plants and assisting in the growing process. So we can take something, um that half that half acre and then make it seem like three acres so you're taking it and you're uh six times in it i don't know what that that's even called six times in it uh and be able to do that and then turn that over on a much much regular basis um you could change the you could change the way america eats that's the idea that's the thing that i'm so passionate about I, you know i i've, I've spent over 20 years in horticulture and I love, I used to work in flowers and I love plants and I, I love flowers, but I really love working in the salad in the vegetable industry because I can, I can turn you, <laughs> I can turn anybody who is a, says they don't like vegetables by feeding them some of the things that we grow. We grow things that you can't buy at the grocery store right now. Things that you, you taste and you go, wow, what is that? Things that are, salad greens that are spicy salad greens that are sweet some that have these like sort of nutty flavors and some that just have fresh green taste salad has always been one of those things that is a carrier for your dressing something that you can dump the ranch dressing on in ours sure sure we feed these greens to people and they're eating them and they're talking about them and they're they're discovering the nuances between the different leaves and they don't even realize that they've eaten 
a salad without any dressing on it at all. How cool and, would that be? And that is the things that fire me up because I think people should eat more vegetables. I, I eat mostly vegetables. I'm, I'm a vegan and so is my wife. Um, and, and, um, we think vegetables are important, but I, I think, like I said, I think I could convince anybody, uh, to become a, a vegetable eater through tasting our salads. And I hope to be able to affect that change to, to more because we just got to try it. And I know you'll want to start eating these salads. How cool would that be to have, um, yeah, cause you know, with salads we look at now, it just, it's, you know, the iceberg lettuce and it's uh, bland and it's white and it's, uh, and sometimes people throw a carrot on there and they think they're really getting pretty diverse with their, their salad right there. And, and it, like you said, it's really just a, a, a transport for the, the ranch to be thrown on there in deep, deep, uh, uh, you know, a couple inch uh, layer of that stuff right on top. Uh, what else do you guys grow? Um, mostly what we're growing right now is, is leafy greens. And so um, salad things, lettuces. Uh, we grow a lot of, of specialty greens, things that most people um, haven't tasted unless you're an avid gardener. A lot of garden um, favorites, things like arugula, uh, popular in, in, in France, is a spicier green. Uh, we grow kale, but we don't just grow your standard kale. I mean, I think if, if people who eat kale or think that they don't like kale are probably familiar with the large leaves that are tough and bitter and they have to be cooked uh, before you eat them. And, and our right. kales are, are baby kales. They're very tender. You, you, they're very fresh and, and delicious when you eat them. Um, those kind of things. We grow basil, we grow cilantro and parsley. Um, and we're experimenting with quite a few more varieties that we'll, we'll bring out in the future. How cool is that? Yeah, it's exciting. And that's a big part of what I, what I do there at the company is the leading the research uh, toward new product introductions, trying out salads, figuring out what else we can grow besides salads um, that could help, help provide this experience of, of better tasting, better tasting produce. So how long before we have baby kale taken over the, the same space that, that baby spinach did a short time ago? I mean, as fast as we can grow it, <laughs> as fast as we can get people to try it, man, these, these things, I, I think, I think they're so amazing. And I just don't understand why more of this hasn't caught on uh, in the world because there, there are so many delicious greens out there that most people don't know. And I'm really excited to bring them, bring them to people. That'd be so, that'd be so, so cool. That'd be so cool. Um, and what's the, what's the next steps for, for you and for uh, fifth season? Well, we're, we're just getting off the ground here. We just started, started shipping. Uh, we sell to, um, there, we have a, a grocery chain in Pittsburgh called Giant Eagle, and we sell our products at Giant Eagle. Um, and we're going to start expanding out into other grocery stores in the area. But we're just getting started. We just opened the farm uh, in the middle of last month. And with all of the COVID uh, things that are happening right now, things are a little, little slow um, in terms of, of shoppers. And I'm sure it's the same in, in your area as well, but we, um, we got to get this farm open. We're, we're still building to capacity and then we're going to get out into retail stores more often, um, in more places and get more people eating this produce. Once we get this farm operational, uh, we hope to start building farms in other cities and bringing these delicious flavors, um, to other cities around the country. How awesome would that be? How awesome would that be? Uh, then you're flooding the uh, produce sections of all the different uh, supermarkets around 
with super, super fresh, tasty uh, vegetables. Uh, man, that be uh, I'm ready to go right now. What do you got? <laughs> you, know, it, you know, I think it's one of those things that's it's important that traditional farming is still important. Um, you know, growing plants in the field, outdoors in areas where they can be grown is good. Yep. But I think where we have something special that traditional farming can't do is that we can reclaim urban land that has been uh, wasted. It's been used for, for factories that have left. Um, and I'm sure you can, can think of areas around where you live that um, have been abandoned and you, you, you may or may not want to eat plants that be grown in the ground there, but we, we provide a good solution for that. Right. I, I have a hard time imagining one of our farms landing in a cornfield in Iowa. No, you should, I mean, you should still grow in the ground there. This wouldn't make sense. This is an urban solution for urban areas where they've become food deserts and they need fresh food and we can provide it uh, right there. Wow, what a massive solution, uh, or at least a decrease of a, a big, big problem that we have in everywhere. Uh, how cool this would be to have these uh, popping up. And I just imagine, you know, young kids having you know, fresh, uh, having a baby kale and something that their, their grandparents would say, we never ate kale because it's terrible. <laughs> and uh, having them just saying, are you kidding me? This is the coolest stuff ever. And uh, exposing them to, to more, more better stuff. I mean, that's, uh, that's exciting stuff, Chris. I have a four-year-old and a seven, well, actually he's five now. I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. And um, I mean, might be a little biased because they, they know how good these things are, but my kids will stop eating a dessert to take a bite of these salad greens. They just love the flavor of the, of the produce that we grow. And it is truly amazing to watch kids eat these things um, and, and appreciate the flavor. It's, it's not, it, it's just something special. When, how cool would it be you're going to have a salad one night, you're going to have a dinner one night, and you say, well, no, no, I want that type of green over there instead of that one because I want that flavor to be in there. Uh, I mean, just it, it's, it's the same thing as using the different spices you're going to have, but now you can have that with the greens themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the exciting part. You can, if you decide what kind of salad you, you want to make, um, I, I can prescribe a, a green for you uh, to make it work. And so uh, we've been playing around with that at, at work. I have a, a colleague who look, likes fruit salads and I've been putting together greens for him to, to taste and uh, things with a little bit more of a citrusy taste and tartness and bitterness. Uh, we have this one green that we grow, uh, it's called sorrel. And when you taste it, um, it almost tastes like a, a green apple peel. It's got this sort of like tart apple flavor, uh, which is so awesome that you can have these fruit flavors in a salad without actually having any fruit in it. It's just from the greens. Um, and I can do the same thing with the savory salad as well. You, you can, we can put these pieces together and uh, it can taste spicy. It can taste um, this kind of nutty flavors that go really well with hard cheeses and lemon juice. So good. And you can do this with just changing the, the, the amount of light, the amount of nutrients you put in. You can change that all. all you, can, you can modify all that. You know, some of it is part of our secret sauce. But yeah, I mean, that is it. When Every way that you... I kind of think of it like it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> Not only can we manipulate every environmental control parameter, and that means like, what does that mean by, by environmental control? It means that I can control the intensity of the lights. I can control how long the lights are on during the day. I can change the color of the LEDs. I can change the fertilizer prescription. I can change the temperature. I can change how often they get water or how dry they are. And so if you think of something like wine grapes, 
who like it really wet at the beginning of the season. They like to dry out toward the end where they get some of that stress and it builds flavors. We can do yep. that in our growth facility. So part of uh, it's puppet mastering with plants. It's understanding how you control the plants. And then we do that. So I say it's a double-edged sword because not only can I control all those things, but I have to decide which buttons am I going to push? How am I going to grow it? And that's for me, I love solving puzzles. And that's a big part of what, what me and um, what I do and what my team does is dial in the, we call them our grow recipes, but it's a lot like uh, cooking with plants. If you want a particular flavor to come out in a recipe, that's how we design our, our growing. It's a lot like a cookbook. You follow this recipe, you're going to get this flavor or this health quality or this size plant that are all maybe attributes that we're trying to, to get to come forward. That, you know, that's, that's so cool. You know, I'm thinking that, you know, if I was a, if I was a winemaker, I would want to have this, 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 you know, this type of flavor come out in my wine. If I knew I could do that, I would, I would fricking do that all the time. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you can't because sometimes mother nature says, well, we're going to give you a you know, rainstorm late in August. You're like, Oh man, you know, I don't need that. Um, but you start other thinking, um, I could ask you, Hey, Chris, can you grow this, this, this for my birthday? And, uh, you have that stuff ready for me. And how, how freaking cool would that be? Absolutely. Yeah. Just give me the seeds and I can grow it for you. That's just nuts. Absolutely nuts. That's freaking nuts, man. Oh, now I gotta go out and get, not, not to make one of these. <laughs> <laughs> man, uh, we, might, we might be in a community near you soon. You never know. We're, we are, uh, we're growing, literally and figuratively, we're growing every day. Uh, there's a, a local company uh, which was growing hemp outside. They started growing hemp in, inside now. Mm -hmm. uh, not too far. Yeah, you know, we're, we're focused on leafy greens. I think there's lots of opportunity for hemp in the cannabis industry um, as a whole. Um, but I, I think there's a, we're, we're going to reinvent salads and that's where we're starting. I think there's, there are opportunities for so many crops all throughout the produce area, things that could stand to have their flavor improved, but I'm really excited about changing how America eats salads and changing this idea that it's just a vehicle. I mean, you don't even realize how good it can get. You don't even know that salad can taste this good with nothing on it. And, and that, that fires me up. You know, you, uh, I was thinking when I went to uh, becoming a veg head a couple of years ago, uh -huh. it took me a while to understand there's this whole section of the grocery store called the produce section. And I could literally stay in there and get, you know, 90% of everything I wanted to eat right there. Uh, and so I had to go learn different, different vegetables. I had to go learn them. And when you start doing this, it's like, dude, how, when did those get there? It's yeah. like, well, they've been there. They've been there all the time. I've been alive. Um, and that's, uh, and some of the tastes and, and, uh, textures you get from this stuff is just, is just fantastic. Um, and then, uh, I just, I just go, just rack my brain thinking right now, the 18 different thousand, uh, things you could be doing with this and, and how you could, uh, just expose people to different stuff. And, you know, Chris, I, I was thinking that, um, uh, when you say the word salad, uh, people think, oh man, I gotta have a salad. Uh, but you can take that and uh, just blast their blast their taste buds into 18 different directions, all with one one simple meal right there. Yeah, you taste one of these and you won't be saying, "Oh, I gotta have a salad." You're gonna say, "Yes, I get to have a salad." They taste that good. You get that excited about it, and then you there know, are many different ways you can change it that 
you're not going to get burned out on it either. You can like eat this one and then you try a different version and they all taste good. And, and then salad becomes, maybe you change out salad. Maybe you trade the potatoes on your plate for, for leafy greens. Sure. You one meal a week and you just start small, start right where you are with one meal and then realize, experiment with flavors a little bit and realize that, oh, maybe I can do this for two meals and then maybe I can do it for three. And next thing you know, you're eating vegetables all the time and you love them and you miss it when you don't have them on the plate. Yeah. Oh, oh. So Chris, it's fifth season. It's fifth season, fresh.com. That's the website. Fifth season, fresh.com. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Chris, this was the coolest thing ever, man. Yeah. Thanks Otto. I mean, gosh, I love talking about this stuff. I love growing plants. I love sharing them with people and I really appreciate you letting me share my passion with you today. Oh, absolutely. The coolest stuff, you know, you know, empire longevity, we think about what's going to be happening next. How can we get people to be healthier for and make them their next best decades? And you start thinking if we could have fresher, fresher, even better, more taste, tasteful vegetables, uh, that is longevity right there. That is the future right there. And how cool this would be. You know, the key to eating healthy, I've found, I've been eating healthy for a long time. So maybe it's easy for me to say, but nobody likes bland, boring vegetables. Absolutely. I don't know anybody who does. My mom used to make broccoli by boiling it for at least 20 minutes before you <laughs> ate it. And it would turn into this mushy mess that nobody liked. You'd spit it out and, ugh. Well, nobody oh. likes that. Come on. So it has no cellular structure left whatsoever? Oh, of course. Everybody <laughs> thinks that's gross. And you think about the, like when you go to, oh, you, you go to a, a breakfast buffet or something and they got the, the, the green banana out there or the orange that you can't peel without a knife or the red delicious apple, the most boring, tasteless garbage fruits that are out there. Well, nobody likes that. If you eat those things and you don't like fruit and you eat the boiled broccoli and you think you don't like vegetables, well, no wonder. Eat some of these other greens that are out there. Eat some of these other vegetables. Experiment with flavors. Get some good spices. Put them together. Try seasoning a salad. Try one of our salads. And then the next thing you know, like it, it, you start liking them and craving them because these things do taste good when you know how to prepare them and you know how to eat them. Um, and it makes all the difference when they, when they taste good. And then eating healthy, easy. Oh, super, super simple. Chris Savani, so much, man. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, this is exciting stuff, man. Absolutely exciting stuff. So glad to be here, Otto. Thank you very much. Oh, Chris Savani uh, with uh, Fifth Season. And the, the website's fifthseasonfresh.com. Recommend you go there and be looking for them uh, in your neighborhood. Chris, thanks so much. Thank you, Otto. And, uh, and again, thank you to Chris for a fantastic interview. Awesome. Just fantastic. You know, Empire Longevity, we try to push you to your next best decades. Not just your next decades, but your next best decades. And eating better, even, even more healthy food, has to be a part of that. Thank you for being part of Empire Longevity. I'm Dr. Otto Janke. We'll see you next time.